Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're excited you're here, and we hope today's message encourages you, builds your faith, and brings you hope for the future. May God bless you as you listen in to today's message. I want to get into the Word today, and I'm excited about this Word because the second part of Trust or Bust, and last week we talked about that, and so today I want to talk about the part of when I stopped riding rides last at Silver Dollar City. I told you about how I was fearless riding these kind of rides, the roller coaster, and I thought it was great, and I was big bad, and I was brave and courageous, but then it came to a place where I quit riding rides. And I thought it was a simple ride. It was a ride that had like big old balloons and they looked like 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 one of those hot air balloons or big rides like that. It had all these big balloons and on the bottom just like you sit in a, a hot air balloon was the was the, the place where you would sit or strap you in and so on and so forth. And I thought, well, this is a simple ride. Big hot air balloons, whatever, right? Wrong. When I got in that ride, what happened was that ride wasn't one that goes up, down, sideways, spin around us. It was one that just spinned. I mean spun, just like this. I felt like, Mr. Wizard! You ever see that cartoon? And you're like confused, dazed, right? right? And so here I am. I'm on this ride. And I kid you not, I couldn't wait for that thing to get over. My, I'll tell you, I call that ride, and no kidding, you call it the big air balloon ride, whatever you want to call it, but I call it the ride that I lost my stomach. Amen. I mean to tell you, when I got on that ride, I could tell you that I almost began to see what was inside my stomach. And I said, man, that's it. I'm done with this ride. I got off the ride. I was so confused, so dizzy. I was walking sideways. You ever heard that song? Lean to the right, lean to the right, lean to the left. Stand up, sit down, fight, 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 right? And I was leaning to the right, leaning to the left, and I was standing up, sit down, fight, fight, fight. I was like, man, I was so discombobulated that that was the last ride that I rode at Silver Dollar City. I mean to tell you, it was crazy. My kids said, Papa, you're going to go on any more rides? No. And then they started using the word, are you chicken? Yes. But, I mean, they start talking like that, and they say, oh, Papa, you're, you're older than us. So you can't go on that ride. No. I just knew my limits. That ride did me in. But how many of you know in life you will go through rides in your life that you say, God, why am I on this ride? I don't like this ride. If you have your notes, you can see this. Have you ever felt like that? I've done. I'm done with this ride. I'm done with this ride. It's killing me. This ride of life, it's not fun. It's not exciting. It's not exhilarating. It's hurting me. It's causing pain in my life, and I'm done with this ride. Have you ever said that before? I'm not talking about a physical ride like a roller coaster or the big hot air balloon ride. I'm talking about the ride of life, that maybe you're in this ride of life and you're saying, this life for me, this ride is not fun, it's not exhilarating, it's causing pain, it's causing hurts in my life, and I'm done with this ride. But maybe you had a ride or have a ride with a bad relationship. How I many you know that bad relationships, man, could cause pain? Bad company corrupts good character. And how many of you know that maybe you're on a ride right now with a bad relationship? or had a bad relationship, and that relationship caused pain in your life? Or maybe this, maybe you had or have a ride with a bad job. There's nothing more miserable than going to a job that you don't enjoy. You ever notice the fruits of the Spirit? Love, 
joy. The reason why it says love, love your neighbor as yourself, but you know why it says joy? It says joy next because if you don't have joy in what you're doing, what you're going to do, you're going to lose the motivation or the drive to want to do it. So if you don't have joy in going to your job and you're having a ride that you can't stand your job, guess what? The opposite of joy is sorrow, it's discouragement, defeat. So what happens is maybe you're in a ride that's zapping you of your joy and zapping you of your, your, your excitement or your zeal and joy. Joy gives you the motivation to want to do it. And maybe you're on this ride that's zapping your joy. Maybe you had or have a ride with a bad addiction. Man, when I wrote this down, I thought about that in my own personal life. At the age 18, man, the alcohol, age 18, the drug addiction, all what I went through at 18 years old, man, all that I went through and all the things I had to experience because I was on a bad ride. That ride led to destruction. That ride led to pain in my life. I was kicked out of my home when I was a junior in high school, and then it just began to spiral downward at that ride. It was a bad ride. That ride never led to anything that was successful in my life. It was bringing deterioration and destruction in my life. But maybe this addiction, alcohol, alcohol, maybe alcohol, maybe you're on this ride of alcohol. Alcohol will make you walk in disillusion. It will make you walk in confusion. It will make you walk in, in, in anger and resentment. And I remember when I was addicted to alcohol, I did things, said things and, and, and that I should have never said or done. And after I got out of my stupor, guess what I ended up? I ended up picking up the pieces. And how many of you know that you cannot put the place pieces back together the way they originally were? And even all the things that I'd done, that ride of alcohol, it destroyed it was destruction. Another one is this. Maybe uh, addictions of, of, of drugs or whatever else it may be. Maybe a drive of, of food. Maybe you have a food addiction. Or maybe pornography. Where's the, where's the worst place that people have pornography problems? When you're on your own, on the computers. That's why every one of our computers has sacred eyes. I don't even know the computer, so guess what happens for me? I can never be accused of that because I don't even know how to get to a website, praise you, Jesus. Amen. <laughs> And if I did, I have sacred eyes on it anyways. Amen? But there's another one. Another one is excessive spending. Maybe you have excessive spending. I know my, 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 uh, my daughter's mother-in-law, I mean to tell you, she has excessive spending. You know what she does? She loves watching Home Shopping Network. And if you ever go to her house, Michael, I kid you not, you go to her house, she has a bedroom, this is no, no exaggeration, a bedroom full of unloaded boxes that she never even opened. And you walk in, you say, Joanne, what's all this? Oh, this is what I got off from the home network shop. You didn't even open it. I know, but I know what's in it. And maybe you have an excessive thing, and maybe this ride that you're on. I like this. A lot of the rides that you don't like now, you got to get this. A lot of the rides that you don't like are the choices you might be making. Choices. I always say this. The world is full of voices. you got to get this. Voices have choices. Choices have consequences. And maybe in your life, the ride that you're on is because the choice that you made. And maybe you're on this ride and you're saying, God, why am I going through this in my life? Maybe it's because you made that choice 
to be on that ride. You made that choice. Choices can affect you for the good or the bad. But once the ride or choice starts, it's hard to get off. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's hard to get off that ride. And a lot of times what happens is when you make the choice and you're in this bad ride is when we want to bring God into our situation. So the God that we serve becomes the God of the crisis instead of the God of the cross. We say, God, help me in my crisis. God, help me in my dilemma. God, help me in my situation. God, pull me out of this mess. And we're so apt to ask God to get involved in our mess when things are out of control. And we want to trust God. Then, God, I trust you. I believe you. But why don't we trust God before we get on the ride? Why don't we trust God say, God, I trust you with everything in me? You ever notice that the full armor of God, everything that's attached to the full armor of God is attached to the belt of truth. The breastplate of righteousness is attached to the belt of truth. The shotting of your feet is attached to the belt of truth. So what is truth? The truth will set you free. The sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, it will not return void. That is truth. That's what you go into battle. So you suit up and you put on the, the armor for the spiritual battle. But you know what faith is? Faith is walking in the spiritual life. It's walking in the spiritual life that you are in. After all, what is faith? Faith is a substance patty of things unseen, but things hoped for. So what is faith attached to? Faith is attached to trust. God, I have faith and therefore, God, because I have faith, I trust you, God, that you will lead me down the path of righteousness. Where you lead me, I will follow. I'm not going to resist. I'm not going to pull back. But, God, I'm going to trust you in this faith journey or this faith walk with you. That's what faith is. Faith and trust are attached to each other. Without faith, you don't have trust. Without trust, you can't have faith. They are attached together. That God is a substance of things unseen, but things hoped for. But God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe it's going to come together. In Proverbs chapter 3, we're going to pick up where we left off last week, but starting with verse 5. We're going to jump right in to where the meat's at. We talked about this last week. Arby's, we have the meats. This is the meat. You notice what he said, trust in the Lord with all your heart, with everything in you, your whole being. The wellspring of life is your heart. And lean not unto your own understandings, verse 6, in all your ways submit to him. If you're going to put that down, put down Proverbs 16, verse 3. Submit or commit your plans to the Lord, and he will make them succeed. So Proverbs 16, 3, submit your plans to the Lord. Submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Why does he say that? Because if you trust in God, he will prevent you from going off to the right or to the left or being that banana peel thing. I remember when I was coaching basketball or playing basketball, our coach would always yell at us. And he would yell at us because of this. When someone sets a pick for you, you got to come right off his shoulder. And if you don't go off the shoulder, the defensive man is going to be able to step in between you and the guy that's setting the pick. you got to come right off his shoulder. Stop doing the banana peel and go way around the pick because the guy's allowed to come through. 
And what happens in life is what happens is God said, I will make your path straight because you know the fastest way from point A to point B is a straight line. But what happens is we get veered off to the right and to the left. And the reason why we do is because we stop trusting. And so we end up in these deserts of life, end up way out here when God's over there. And we wonder why we're in these situations of life. It's because maybe you stop trusting, and God will take you from point A to point B if you trust him, and he'll lead you down the straight line. But what happens is when we start leaning to our own understanding, we get off that line. We get off that line, and you know and I know if the plumb line is crooked when you're building a house, you're going to have a lopsided house. Just ask Randy. Randy's building all those cabins at the wilderness. And Randy, you are perfectionist. What you do is great. I love what he does in those cabins. Unbelievable. But just think if he didn't have a straight line. And then he put that piece of lumber up or that two-by-four for the walls, and all of a sudden it's crooked. What do he have to do? He's going to have to just recut another one or whatever else or try to jimmy rig or jerry rig the two by four in which he cut wrong. And what happens is God said, you got to trust me. And when you trust me, I will lead you down the path that is straight. You see, a lot of times we get from point A to point B longer than it should be taking. And what happens is now you got to get this. The reason why many people quit Get this now. you got to hear this. Mary, the reason why many people quit, because they get so far out here and they're so far off point A that they think that God's given up on them. They think that God must have left them. They think that God must have not spoke to them. They think that they made a wrong decision. And the reason what happens is you got off the path and you got off the path because you stopped, you stopped trusting God. And God said, I will lead you down the path for your path to the straight. But look at verse 7. He said, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Fear the Lord, honor God, respect him, and honor him. Man, praise him, but shun evil. What is evil? Anything that is opposite of God's will. Anything that the flesh may rise up, maybe, man, trying to take things in your own hand, maybe your own thoughts, your own desires, your own ways, anything that's opposite of God. He said, verse 8, this will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Wow. You mean, God, if if I trust you, you're going to bring health to my body and nourishment to my bones? In other words, you can prevent situations in your life that maybe shouldn't be happening. And a lot of times we can prevent some of the things in our lives if we would only trust God and do what he tells us to do and not our own ways. Then he goes on to say, watch this. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your your crops. It's kind of cool. I came in today and they gave me the first cucumber from their garden. And they said, Pastor, this is the first fruits. I said, thank you, Jesus. How do you know I was going to speak on first fruits? They gave me the first cucumber from their garden. I'm going to eat that bad boy when I leave here. Amen. But watch what he says. He said, then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Verse 11. He said, my son, that's your name. Put your name in. Do not despise the Lord's discipline, and do not resent his rebuke. Verse 12. He says, because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. So if you're being disciplined right now, maybe being corrected right now by the things of God, and maybe God's putting up the stop signs, 
remind yourself that God disciplines those he loves. So guess what? If you're being disciplined, hey, count it as worthy that God loves me enough to discipline me and keep me on the straight and narrow. Amen? But if you have your notes, listen to this. Trusting God means making a choice to put him first in all your ways, thoughts, and actions. That's a start of a good ride. That God, before I go and do anything, God, I'm going to put you first in all that I do. I always say that prayer is the key in the morning. It's the key in the morning. Man, Cheryl and I, and I'm not here to toot my horn, but this is true. Cheryl and I, every day, we pray. We pray together with each other. I pray for her. She prays for me. We pray individually. But every day, it's the prayer is the key in the morning. I get my orders from headquarters when I pray. When I pray, he lays out the map for me through the day. He gives me the strength. He gives me the wisdom. He helps me navigate my day. He gives me the plan. So prayer is the key in the morning, and it's the bolt at night. So what I do is I bolt my thoughts. A lot of times some of you may be having nightmares and bad dreams. You need to start bolting your prayers at night. That, God, I bolt my thoughts, my prayers to you. It's the key in the morning and the bolt at night. That, God, my thoughts will be fixed on you, the author and the perfecter of my faith. That, God, I'm going to come to you. You're going to keep me in perfect peace whose mind is fixed on you. So, God, I'm going to keep fixed on you. I'm going to trust you. That's what prayer does. It keeps you in trust with God. Listen to this. You can trust God to do right. You can trust God to do right. I like this. You can trust God to do right all the time. Not sometimes. Not part-time. All the time. You can trust God to do right all the time, even when you don't think he's doing it right. Doesn't God know everything about you? He knows he's a God that can see further than you can. You know, we got 20-20 eyesight, but God has supernatural eyesight. He sees far and beyond those things further than we can even possibly fathom or imagine. And he knows and prevents for you up things uh, up, up, uh, uh, that's happening in front of you. When we were on our way to Branson, I'm, I, like I said, I get lost in my backyard. So my wife put the address to Branson on my phone, and I'll tell you one thing. That little phone, it talks. She kept talking to me, but you know one of the things she kept saying to me? She would tell me that that navigation system would tell me, accident five miles up ahead. Caution, accident five miles up ahead. Ten miles up ahead, detour. And that thing had it all mapped out of where accidents were and where details, detours were, and also even had it where gas stations were. Thank you, Jesus, because I have a notorious to running out of gas. But the point is, it saw before I even knew. And that's the same way with God, Renee. He sees things that you don't see. And the reason why he tries to stop you or discipline you or correct you is because he's trying to say, stop before you fall off the edge. Stop before you fall off the cliff. It's not to hurt you, to harm you, to confine you. It's to prevent you from accidents. God sees further than you do. But also this, you can trust God to be faithful to you. Now, this is where people get hung up at. God, how come you're not faithful to me? Like my wife was saying. God is always an on-time God. He's never too late. He's never too early. He's, Christina, always on time. He's a faithful God. 
He's faithful. He didn't say how he will do it, but he will do it. If you knew every plan that God had for you in your life, guess what? You would go out and live your life wildly. You would do all crazy things because I know that tomorrow, tomorrow at 1 o'clock tomorrow afternoon, God is going to do this. So at 1259, I'm going to park my place in at 1 o'clock and be ready and equipped for God to bless me at 1 o'clock. If you knew that, that's how we would be. But God does things mysteriously, and God does things in his timing and in his ways because when you think you got God figured out, that's when you don't. God does things faithfully, but he didn't say on your clock. He said, I'll do it, but I didn't say when, what, and how, but I will do it. Just remain faithful and trust God. I love this. God is jealous for your trust. He desires your trust. When you start a relationship, what is a relationship built on? You start out with trusting. Man, can I trust him? Can I trust her? Are they dependable? Are they going to follow through with their word? And the more you start to trust him and her, guess what? You become more intimate with each other. You become closer to each other. Why? Because you're learning to trust him. You're learning to trust her. And you're becoming more intimate with each other. And the more you trust him, guess what? You're more apt to listen to him or her because you know what? They, I've trusted them before and they didn't hurt me, so I'm going to trust them now. It's the same way with God. You get mad if your husband or your wife, and you say to them, don't you trust me? And you get upset if they don't trust you or they don't follow through with what they're saying or whatever. And you get mad at them. Can you imagine God? God says, I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. So why don't you trust me? And God said, just be still and know that I'm God. You can trust me, Michael. I know that what I'm doing. I have the plans for you. And the more you trust God and the more you rely on him, you're going to see that, man, he did do this. Man, he did do that. And God was faithful. And God did come through. I can trust him for bigger and better things in my life. You see, that's what trust is all about. God, will you lead me? I will follow. He doesn't request it, suggest it, like maybe so, yes, no, maybe so, or recommend it. He demands it. He demands our trust, Levi. I trust you, God. That, God, I, I, I trust you. Do you trust me? Do you know that I am your God? Do you really know that? When I... Uh, was 19 now, I was at North Central, and I learned this lesson big time, major, major big time. If many of you know, for you new ones, I, I came right out of the world three months later, went to North Central Bible College, didn't know a lot about God, Jesus, Moses, anybody. But one thing I did learn is I learned to trust God. But I went through the school of hard knocks. How many of you ever heard that term? You had to go through the school of hard knocks to get to your senses, right? And I had to come to my senses. I felt like the prodigal son. I had to come to his senses, and he came back to the Father. But when I went to North Central, I was this new kid on the block. I was a basketball player, and that's really what I thought I was going to North Central for at the time because I really didn't know God. So when I went there, Art, I started spending my money foolishly as a freshman. I was spending my money foolishly, and before you knew it, my savings account was dwindling away. And here, man, I was looking at it like, ooh, man. I'll tell you one thing. When I went to North, uh, St. Catharines, I was on a scholarship. I didn't have to pay my way. 
So because I didn't have to pay my way, it's easy to spend other people's money, right? But when it comes to spending your own money, whoo, that's a little different story. And my storehouse was going empty. And then I made some bad decisions on classes. Because I was going to playing basketball and really didn't know my way around what I was supposed to be doing, I took some classes that were out of my degree or out of my area where I was supposed to be majoring in. So I took this class and I took that class only to get by. And you know what happened? I had the banana peel experience. I went way around and I took these classes that were not in my degree or in my category, which I was going to major in. And so what happened was it prolonged me from graduating. So I had to spend more money on my classes, on all the credits, two credits, three credits. I hated three-credit classes because they were more, right? But I was making bad decisions, almost made a bad decision that when I was there, I was laid off from my job, and I was working at Racine Steelcasting. Racine Steelcasting made the train wheels for the trains or made the train hitches. So it was a hot, molted steel place. And I was 18 years old when I was working there, going to school, working their second shift full-time. And I was working full-time at Racine Steelcasting doing this hot, molted steel. Well, I was laid off from my job. And so what happened was now I'm at North Central. I'm at North Central, and all of a sudden I get a call from Racine Steelcasting. And Racine Steelcasting, now you got to understand, this was 41 years ago. 41 years ago, they called me and said, hey, CJ, we want you to come back to work for us again. We're all back up, all the lines are running, all the steel's going, all the things. Come back, and, and CJ, we're going to promote you. And not only are we going to promote you, but we're going to start you out of this job at $24 an hour. 41 years ago. 24 bucks an hour. 19 years old. Woo! Man. And at that time, I was dating Cheryl. I'll never forget. At that time, I was dating Cheryl, so we went down in the cafeteria there at North Central, and I looked at her and I said, Honey, I said, uh, uh, I just got offered to go back to work at Racine Steelcasting, and they're willing to pay me 24 bucks an hour. I said, Honey... Uh, will you come with me? You know what she said? Beyonce. Oh, 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 oh. If you love me, we're going to put a, put a ring on it. Right? How's that go? Put a ring on it. If you like it, you should have put a ring on it. And my wife said to me, she said, I'm not going anywhere until I know you're committed to me. So if you love me, put a ring on it. And you know what I did? I almost chased money. Get this. I almost chased money, Karen, instead of God. And at that point in my life, that's when I realized, Bill, that I need to trust God more than anything else. And you know what I did? I kid you not. I went into the prayer room there on the third floor in the girls' dorm where they had that public open prayer room there. And I went in that room and I cried like a baby. And I said, God, forgive me for not trusting you and putting greed and money and all this stuff before you. And at that moment in my life at 19 years old is when I learned to transfer my trust 
into his hands. God, I trust you. Because I could have made some bad choices. But in making those decisions, God, he led me down a good path. You see, listen, when I was down to nothing, laying on that floor in that prayer room, I was down to nothing, broken, crying my eyes out. Man, I was the real picture of the one that weeping before the Lord. I had my Kleenexes out. My snot was running the whole works. God, I'm down to nothing. God was up to something. And whenever you're down to nothing, that's when God is up to something. He's up to something in your life. He's making a way where there seems to be no way, Jeff, in your life. He's making a way where you can't comprehend, fathom, or imagine. God is making a way. You see, God doesn't want you to come to him full. He wants you to come to him empty. And when you're empty and let go of your pride and you're humble before God, that's when he can fill you up and pour himself into you. He said, oh, you're beginning to get it. You're seeing the big picture. You're humbling yourself in the sight of the Lord. By humbling yourself being God, I trust you. Then he will lift you up. God, I trust you. You see, trust God before the ride starts. Trust him before the ride starts. Key in the morning and the bolt at night. God, if you say if we lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives graciously without finding fault. God, before I get on this ride, I need your wisdom. I need your guidance. I need your direction. Listen, trust God before the ride starts, not when you're in the middle of of it, needing him to rescue you. We always use God to bail us out. And we could prevent some of our things in our life if we would only trust God in the beginning. And some of us are being derailed and we're saying, God! And God said, what? I've never left. You have. You know what they say that Americans move every five years. If that's true, if Americans move every five years, guess what? Over 2,000 years ago, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never moves with your circumstances, pressures, or situations of life. He's the same God today and forever. And he's the same God that you can trust. Amen? You can trust him. Have you ever been to a circus before? When we lived in uh, Grand Junction, Colorado, We'd go to circus for 12 years in a row. We went to the circus. Every year, they'd come to Grand Junction, Colorado, the big circus tent, the whole works. And we'd go there, and we'd take our kids. And, man, it was great. Our kids all grew up, and they were fortunate to graduate through junior high and high school and then go on to college. And so we were in one place for all those years. But going to the circus, one of the things that fascinated me was the lion tamer. I'll tell you, it fascinated me about the lion tamer because here he is. He'd come out in the arena or the circle with these lions. And what fascinated me about the lion keeper is he didn't have a whip. He didn't even have a gun. He had a chair. And he'd walk up to that lion and he'd lift up the chair and you'd see this lion start to retreat or be like the dog and sit. And he'd respond to the chair. Have you ever wondered why that's the case, that they don't have a gun or a whip? It's because a lion can only focus on one thing. 
So the lion keeper would lift the chair up, and it would have four legs. So the lion didn't know what leg to attack or what leg to go after. And so because of that, that chair intimidates the lion because they're focused on one thing. And so that lion will respond. Isn't that exactly what happens? You watch the things on TV on Discovery Channel where what happens with a lion? The lion, some way, somehow, the tribe or the, or the herd or the, uh, or the they, pride, yeah, I couldn't think of the word, pride, you know what they do? Some way, somehow, they communicate, get him. And they single out one. One water buffalo, one zebra, one giraffe, whatever it may be, and they all attack it. What happens is the enemy wants to come at you, and he singles you out. But you need to raise the chair. And there's things in your life that you need to raise, and here they are. The three-legged stool. If you want to be blessed, if you want to be man secure and know that God has everything under control, here it is. Here's the first leg. The first leg, don't be wise in your own understanding. God, not my will be done, but your will be done. It's hard to say those things. It's hard to follow that out because we are control freaks. We want to do it our way or the highway. We got to do it this way, not that way. And sometimes that may not be the direction that God has for us. But because sometimes our stubbornness, our pride, gets in the way that we want to do it our way. But it says in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, look at what he says. Do not be wise in your own eyes, your own understanding, your own thoughts. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Fear the Lord. In other words, honor him, respect him, appreciate him. Fear the Lord. I respect you, God. And when you say, I respect you, God, respect him in what he says. That's what respect is. How do you show respect? You show respect by honoring and respecting by what a person says. When you show respect, you listen to that person who's talking. You don't look all the way around and try to... But you're focused on that person. You show that person that you're attentive to what they're saying. You respect what they're saying. It's the same way with God. You give God your undivided attention. God, I respect you. I, God, want ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. He says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Evil means doing things in the flesh. Opposite things of God. Then verse 8. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. It'll prevent you from some of the situations in your life. And when you go through situations in your life, here's what we're prone to do. Why is it, why is it when bad things happen in your life, the first person you want to get mad at is God? Have you ever said that? God, why God, why is this happening to me? Isn't the devil like a lion roaming to and fro looking for whom he may devour? Isn't the Bible said that he comes to kill, rob, and destroy? And what we do is we take out our energy. We take out that on God. And God said, why are you blaming me? Why am I your whipping post? Why are you taking that on me? Hey, 
<laughs> blame the enemy. Don't blame me. I come to give you life and life more abundantly. And you're getting mad at me. Why don't you take that same energy, that same anger, and direct it towards the enemy? Because we always take out our anger on the ones that we love the most. We take it out on our spouse. We take it out on our kids. We take it out on our friends. We take it out on the ones we love the most. Why? Because we know they're going to stay in there with us through thick and thin. And we know that God's going to not bail on us. So God's our scapegoat. He's our guinea pig. He's our whipping post when God's our lover, our friend, our protector, and our guide. God, I love you. I love you, God. So don't take it in your own understanding. Listen, being wise in your own eyes is saying, God, I got this. I got this, God. Go ahead, let's leave. I, I got it. I don't need you, God. That's what God is you're saying. Shufi, don't bother me. I don't need you. I got this under control. You see, when I becomes bigger than trusting God, I is you. When I in sin, then I in sin begins. When you, I, your pride, pride goes before a fall. When that I becomes bigger than God, that's when sin begins. Because you start taking it into your own hands, you take things into control, and all of a sudden it leads to the path of destruction. Sin. The wages of sin is death. And what does that do? It separates, it divides you from God. It separates the communication. It separates the, the feeling and the presence of God. And it's never God leaving, but it's you. And the more you do it, the more you separate. And the more you separate, you wonder if God left. And God is established forever. He never left. But the I in you became sin. And you started trusting yourself instead of him. You see, listen to this. Trusting God brings health to your body, and nourishment to your bones. A lack of pain, discouragement, and defeat comes, a lot of pain, excuse me, comes because of our lack of trusting God. How many of you ever made bad decisions before? And when you made those bad decisions, can I ask you, did you ask God in that decision? Did you ask God in the decision once you made a mess of it? And a lot of times God wants you to just take, take a moment. You know, they say that when a person is angry, before they say a word, they should count to ten. Not one ten, but one and what that does, it gathers your thoughts, your emotions, your words, your feelings. And it allows yourself to calm down. It's the same way with God. That God, I don't understand. Lord, you are not a God of confusion, but a God of peace. So God, I need you in this situation in my life. One of the things I love about our board, Pastor Carolyn's here and some other board members were in our first service. But you know one thing I love about our board, and you can give it up for your board. They got, we have a great board here. I kid you not. Tremendous, tremendous board. But you know one of the things about our board that I love about those six people, seven with me, is that if we don't come together in agreement, you know what we'll do? We'll table it. And then you know what we do, Kevin? We'll table it. And then the notes come to us from Penny. And we all get these notes emailed. And then from that meeting to the next meeting a month later, guess what we had time to do? Process, pray about it, ask God to give us wisdom. And then 
We come together, us six, and we're able to agree because we allowed God into our boat. We could have made hasty decisions this way, that way, and someone angry, someone upset, mad, happy, whatever. But we said, no, we're going to table it. And why do you think Adventure Church is running the way it's running? Because we have a team that works together. There's no I in team. There's no I in team. There's I in sin. There's I in pride. God, we work together as a team. Amen? Trusting God. Some of you need a pain reliever over your struggles. And here it is. Here's the pain reliever. Trust God again. Trust God again. He's the God of second chances. Maybe it's time that you start trusting again. Well, I can't. Why can't you? God hurt me. No, he didn't. God does right all the time. I can't. Yes, you can. Trust him again. The second leg that the lion can't focus on if you got the chair lifted up is this. The second leg, honor the Lord with your wealth. Now, in four years, you do know that today is my and Cheryl's four-year anniversary. Today is our four-year. Isn't that great? Praise the Lord. Four years. Four years. Today. I'll tell you, we're excited about that. We've been looking back and we've been reminiscing. Cheryl and I always have three, five, ten-year plan. That's we always do. We're goal setters. Three, five, ten. And so we're now into our third. And the third was the building. And now we're into our five. Now we're going to be under our ten. And so we have three, five, and ten. But we were looking back and seeing what God has done. It's amazing what God has done, thinking about the four years that God has been here. But in the four years that I've been here, this is the first time, and I want you to hear me, so I don't want you to, you to lose you, Rose. I don't want to lose you. This is the first time that this pastor, and I got to get going. Wow, I didn't realize what time it is. Wow. This is the first time, and I got to quit. This is the first time I talked on this subject. You know what it is? Your wealth tithing. For the sake of time, just jump down to the thing. To honor the Lord means this, putting everything else to else to not hold on and have everything back. Now I'm losing my thought because I'm trying to go too fast. Honor the Lord with your wealth. That God, I'm going to honor you with my wealth. You see, they say if you get to a man's pocketbook, you got to his heart. They say if you get to a man's pocketbook, you got to his heart. That God I'm going to show you that I love you. Listen, the first fruits are the 10% of your income, not the leftovers or the scraps. That God, I'm going to give you my best. Some of us are bucket plunkers. I'm going to give you a little bit here, get a little bit there. God says, no. You see, I know that right now as I talk about money, you think it's for me, it's for my benefit. It's not for my benefit, it's for yours. God wants to bless you. And some of us are half-baked because we're not doing what God's called us to do. Listen to this. Giving your first fruits is the only test God tells us to testament. He doesn't tell us to testament in any areas of our lives other than testing them in your tithes and your offerings. And the reason why he says that is because I know that what we hold on to, that I'm entitled to this. No, you're not, because everything that you have, God gave to you. So what God gave to you, guess what? He's asking you to be a good steward of that in which he gave you. That God give you that 100% to be able to steward it. I'd rather have God bless my 90% and not bless my 100%. So I can hold on to my 100%, but if I don't have God's blessing in it, guess what? 
man, the pestilence and all the things are going to come and steal from me. But, man, I'm going to give God my 90% give him a 10, and God's going to bless my 90, and he's going to take it and multiply that which I give him. But i got to move on for the sake of time. In Malachi chapter 3, it says this, I, the Lord, do not change. Now, if you have your Bibles, you need to understand this. I do not change. In other words, what he's saying, stop manipulating God's word to conform it to what you feel good. And what we do is we like to manipulate God's word. Oh, God's not talking to me today. That's the Old Testament system. That's the Old Testament way. Ah, I got to stop. No, God does not change. And guess what? He doesn't change. He doesn't change in his word because the Bible says do not add or subtract from his word unless you're be rebuked. And so many times we want to dissect God's word. that That doesn't apply for the day. Well, I don't know about you, but if I read Genesis to Revelation, everything that I read and everything in between, it all goes for today. So you can't be selective in what you like and what you don't like. We take it all in. And he says, I do not change. I don't change in my ways. I don't change in my teachings. I don't change in my words. The only one that changes you and you try to manipulate or make the word conform to how you want it to feel to make you feel comfortable without accepting the whole banana. So you... The descendants of Jacob are not destroyed. In other words, so you're not destroyed in what could happen in your life. You wonder why there seems to be a drain. Maybe sucking your money and maybe this is going down and that car's broke or this, that, and nothing. Maybe because the next thing, watch this. Verse 7. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and not have kept them. In other words, you turned away from my teachings. You, I didn't change. You changed. And I know that the hair on your back is standing up right now, but I've never talked this first time I talked on, on tithes, and it's not to benefit me, it's to benefit you. But again, it goes on to say, watch this. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Watch this. Will a mere mortal, uh, mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are you robbing, robbing you? And tithes and offerings. Somebody come to your house and rob you, won't you get mad? We're robbing God. God's calling you to be good stewards. He's entrusting you. If he can't trust you with a little, don't expect him to trust you with more. You got to trust him with, man, what you got right now. If he sees that you're honoring him and blessing him with the first fruits, guess what God's going to do? He's going to bring the increase into your life. You can't expect blessings if you're not sowing seed. You got to sow the seed to be able to produce a crop. Unless you're going to be the farmer without a crop because you're not sowing the seed. He says, well, Amir, you are under a curse. You're a whole nation because you are robbing me. Under a curse. That's a strong word. Curse, in other words, opposite of blessings, doom and gloom. Maybe, man, your refrigerator breaking down. Maybe this happening, medical bills, whatever, keep piling up because you know what? The next verse, watch this. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Watch this now. That there may be food in my house. Into the church, not for my benefit. 
And this, again, Pastor Carolyn's here, and I'm just going to share. I shared this in the first service. I'm going to share it from my, again. And I'm not sharing them to say this, and please understand, when I say this, when I say this, it's not because I'm in need, this, that, and the other thing, but I've been here now four years. This is what prompted me today. I've been here four years. Not that I can't, not that they won't, but I don't set my, my salary. I never have, Kevin. I never came to a church by what I could give. If I did, why would I take a church of 26 people? Why would I come here when it was 76 people or whatever it was at the time? Why would I come when I left the church of 1,200? I don't take a church because of money. And so when I came here, Kevin, they had my salary set out. I didn't ask for it. But here's the cool thing. And please understand, Pastor Carolyn knows this. I'm not saying this to toot my horn. I'm not saying this because I'm in need. I'm saying this because God is faithful. You know what, Chris? In four years since I've been here, if you think it's for my benefit, Alyssa, in four years, Renee, how many of you have got a raise every year? How many, at least you get maybe a, a, a partial raise, cost of living raise. In four years, I haven't gotten a raise. Michael, I'm not frowning on that. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, please, my board understands me. I'm not asking for a raise. What I'm saying, if you're thinking that the ties are going to this guy, not true. It goes for this. It goes to you. It goes for the community. Because we want to touch people. Loving God and loving people. It's what this is all about. It's not about material things or wealth and what Cheryl and I can gain. It's about loving God and loving people. So let me tell you this. Watch this. Bring the whole thing. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing, so much a blessing that there will be no more room enough to store it. That's what God wants to do. But watch this. Verse 12. You got it, done. Maybe you don't have it. But he said he'll keep the pestilence away from you. Look at I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and your vines and your field. Amen. I got to go on. Uh, people have a wrong idea about tithing or an offering. It's not for my benefit. It's for yours. The tithe exists as both a reminder and a test. A reminder that God actually owns it all and a test of whether or not God is truly a first place. And real quick, I'm just going to read it real quick. I'm sorry. I, I know I'm going a little late. Three Ps, givers. Percentage givers gives according to the amount I have. Progressive, building up to giving 10%. Priority, giving 10% no matter what. The three S givers, I call these the emotional givers. Spontaneous, when it feels good. Sporadic, hit or miss whenever. Or sparingly, once in a while. You see, listen. Tithing is an act of obedience and trust. No matter what things look like or even feel like, God, I will trust you. I close with this. In Genesis chapter 26, verse 12, Isaac was in the middle of a famine. In Genesis 26, verse 12, in the middle of a famine, he had a little bit of grain. And you know what he did? He took that little, which he could have ground and turned into flour and made bread with. He took it and he sold the seed. He sold the seed. Now you got to get this. He sold the seed in time of need. Sold the seed in time of need. And what happened was because Isaac took the seed and sold it, 
God blessed him 130, 60 fold, and he made it through the famine. In your life, God says, test me and see if I will open the windows of heaven to you and pour out a blessing upon you. Will you stand with me this morning? I apologize. I didn't realize time got away that fast. I'm sorry about that. I apologize. Please forgive me if I, if I kept you from your roast and it got burnt. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. I looked up and said, listen, it's for your benefit. It really is, Adam. It's for your benefit. Not for just me or staff. It's for you. And this pastor gets so excited when I see you get blessed. When I see you get blessed. I get so excited when I see you get blessed because I know if God blesses you, I can get ready for my ship to come in. Amen? Amen. Father, I thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your word. The first leg, don't lean on her own understanding, but in all the ways, acknowledge him. And as we do that, it intimidates the lion because we add the second leg that, Lord, we will give, Lord God. We will give. Third leg, Father, that we will get disciplined. You discipline those who you love. And, Lord, as we lift up those legs, Father, the enemy doesn't know how to attack us because we're rooted, we're founded and grounded in your word, and we're established in those three areas of our lives that the enemy doesn't know how to attack us or come against us because we will not, shall not be moved. So thank you, Father, for these individuals today. Let us have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. And, Lord, we go with us now as we go our way. Bless the wedding shower today, Alyssa and Adam. We're so grateful for them and how you brought the two of them together. We ask your blessings upon this time, and we give you praise now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord praise this morning. Amen. You still love me? Come on. Amen. God bless you today. God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's message. If this message has encouraged you in any way, please consider giving to Adventure Church to help continue this ministry. Giving is safe and easy through our website at www.adventurechurchsiren.com. Thank you for your generous support.